Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Priscilla, <laughs> I want a peanut butter and banana sandwich. <laughs> so we're both uh, running on a, a, a low amount of sleep. So if we sound a little slap happy today, uh, you guys are just going to have to enjoy that uh, on our behalf and a, a few giggles here and there. So a uh, couple things before we get running into the tour portion. Behu uh, Kotai in my decrees. Uh, first thing is first, we got another review, guys. Guess what? I'm going to read it. This one is from, from Ernast. Now, I don't know where these usernames come from, but these usernames are cute. I believe this is the Hernandez family all the way over in Alabama. So shout out to Stephen and Erica Hernandez. War Eagle. You know, I'm not even going to touch it. He he probably can laugh right now because he knows where I want to go with that because I'm twitching wanting to go for um, something else. But um, I'm going to go ahead and leave that alone. But... Uh, his, his review here says, love Beit Tehillah, exclamation point. Uh, it says, we love this community and know we're apart, even while we're temporarily away in Auburn, Alabama. Thank you, Pastor Nick and Ryan, for your insight, your humor, and for explaining the relevance of Torah in our present lives. Man, that just makes me feel so good. I'll tell you what. I get stuff like that, and I smile. I get all happy. I think you need affirmation. Um, words of That's affirmation good. is definitely I one think of that should be for everyone, my huh? love languages. Well, it depends. It depends on how much emphasis you put on it, right? So everybody likes attaboys, but not everybody likes them as much as I do. It, but it's got to be sincere. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I'll take it if it's not sincere, but that depends. So uh, what else do we have going on? Um, we've got a Shabbat service coming up this Saturday. Our Oneg. Ah, it's because we're recording this early. I'm letting the cat out of the bag. So we had an Oneg last week. <laughs> And no, we didn't. No, I know we didn't. Not yet. <laughs> we had a leadership dinner with Judah. But by the time this comes dinner out, with Judah. by the time this comes out, they'll have it. So we're recording this early. I'm leaving. I won't be here on Tuesday. So we're actually recording this early uh, to let you guys know. You guys are actually getting it a little bit earlier than you normally would have. I'm going to let this one fly on Tuesday morning. So Listen, we got to set the record straight, Ryan. There's two things you don't want to say as far as sayings go in reference to cats. I had some cat lovers <laughs> approach me and, and it wasn't pretty, folks. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. That's got to leave your vocabulary. That's got to leave your sayings. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Also, you just said it. I let the cat out of the bag. Ryan, that is the, that's the right thing to do. Okay? You let the cat out of the bag. All right? Well, it's a legal term, too. Like, the cat's out of the bag. Like, when you're trying to put, like, an injunction on something, you know? It's like, oh, no, the oh, cat's already out of the bag. But I'm just thinking about the, the, the literal saying. Yeah. You really shouldn't keep cats in cat a bag. In a bag. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Is and that I know in the Torah? There's some cat lovers out there, folks. We respect you. We really, really do. Okay? Is that in the Torah? But I just want to set the record straight, you know, and I won't get into some of the things I used to say that I picked up from other people and actually offended them in that regard. I said, you know what? I don't really need to say that anymore. Yeah. Uh, we'll put that one I'll, on the I'll blooper give, reel. I'll give you an example. Mm. I used the term, hey, I never went to cemetery. Well, it means seminary. Well, I had people that went to seminary and actually got up and walked out when I said that. So uh, I respect people's uh, education, furthering your education, 
Uh, if you want to go to seminary, you know, I respect that. But once again, it's just, it, it's no harm done, but you, you shouldn't be saying those things. Yeah. And that's, that's important that we, that we talk about this. As we go into the book of Numbers, <laughs> we need to uh, cross our T's and dot our I's and learn as a, an example what not to do. Oh, that's true. That that's, see, I like how you wrote that back in. I'm just saying. I like that. Know, the book of Numbers is uh, can be a little tragic. And on that note, we are finishing up the book of Leviticus today. Uh, the Torah portion is called Bechu Kotai, which means in my decrees. Uh, it is found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26 and verse 3, and ending at the end of Leviticus, which is chapter 27 and verse 34. So once again, as we conclude this particular uh, book in the Torah, uh, which is the middle book, Leviticus, uh, to the left are, of course, Genesis and Exodus, to the right, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Uh, once again, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God, as we conclude our walk with God in this beautiful Torah portion. Uh, the theme is, you shall be holy. And of course, this particular book, it starts with and ends with consecration. Starts and ends with consecration. And once again, it's the meat of Torah. It's the middle of the Torah. Two books to the left, two books to the right. There is your Torah. Uh, and so once again, we're going to be reading uh, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 through 13, blessings for obedience. Uh, if Ryan could go ahead and begin to read that, we are going to kick off the public reading of scriptures. These are the blessings for obedience, and they are really, really good. All right, and we're going all the way to 13. So 3 it's, to 13. Yep. Says Leviticus if, 26. That's correct. It says, if you will walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in the land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your, your land." And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And ye shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and be your God, and ye shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, and ye shall should not be their bond, and ye shall not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. All right, there we have some great blessings for obedience, and uh, we have a great question here. What was the Lord going to give His people in due season? Leviticus twenty-six verse four. The rain. Oh, in due season, he was going to give you the rain. How many of the rain was important? How, how many of you Early know and rain. that rain doesn't really matter if it's not the right season, right? I mean... Well, absolutely. I mean, you think about it, you know, uh, the early and latter rains of Israel are important when you plant your seeds and when you produce a crop, you, you need those latter rains. Uh, you know, I mean, think about it. This is something that we all need to consider. Um Here's, here's a great question. Was the Lord going to bless the children of Israel in the land and cause their enemies to fall by the sword? Yes. You know, even historically speaking, a lot of times, uh, we can even see in modern times that uh, the enemies of Israel will actually fight each other. You know, oh, for sure. Even geographically speaking, 
you know, you got the Shiites versus the Sunnis right now among the Muslims and Arabs. You know, you've got, you know, uh, some different things that are happening in the Iran-Iraq war uh, some time ago with Saddam Hussein leading that. But once again, you're going to see some very interesting things, you know. Uh, and of course, you know, um, the Lord wanted to establish uh, his covenant with his people, Leviticus 26, verse 9. He wanted to establish his covenant with his people. And and I'd like to remind everyone in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, it says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So once again, the Torah is for the nation of Israel. It's for those that are Israelites, those that are even grafted in. So he says something that's very, very interesting. The two points that are, if you will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant. Indeed. Now, when the prophets would come, they would actually, you know, uh, make their claim that, hey, you have quit listening to the voice of God and you have left his covenant. You know, and Amos, it even references how can two walk together unless they be agreed. So what was happening in the northern kingdom, they started to go into adultery and breaking covenant, not listening to the voice of the Lord anymore. So he had to send a prophet, even like Amos. And of course, uh, what was the end result? I do believe it's Jeremiah 3.8. There was a divorce against the northern kingdom. Okay. Uh, God never divorced Judah, the southern kingdom, but he did divorce the northern kingdom. And I'm not going to give you the address, but in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, which the theme is that Yeshua is a king, he, he actually pronounces some uh, interesting things, even in reference to the purpose-driven life. You've heard of that, haven't you? Purpose-driven life. Uh, Yeshua says this, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Come on. And he was that rock that followed them in the wilderness, the Bible says, and he was at Mount Sinai. So once again, uh, this is even referenced uh, even in the New Testament. Uh, Let's see if I can find it here. We looked at 19 verses 5 and 6. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9. So what does he want? He wants a, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That's right. That's what he wants. And the priest's responsibility is, of course, to teach the Torah. Now, just to connect that thought before Ryan shares, I want to also go to the New Testament, which is incredible in reference to the Torah, hearing his voice and keeping his Torah, his, his covenant. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Verses 17 through 19, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, these are the words in red of Yeshua, or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Verse 19 of Matthew chapter 5, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments... And shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's an incentive. So, you keep Torah, you share it, you'll be greater in the kingdom. You don't keep it, you don't share it, you're least in the kingdom. There's the incentive. See? I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill, to do, to complete. It doesn't mean that he puts an end to it. 
Right. He's doing his part. I mean, because he is the Torah. He is the Word in the Godhead. He is the Word, and the Father is the will, and the Holy Spirit is the power. That's so any right. last thoughts on that one? I do. I have a couple thoughts here. Um, you know, you read through this, and it, it, it's it's like a list of all the great things that happens when you put yourself on God's team. So uh, you may have heard us say this before, but I want to say it again. Obedience brings the blessing. Obedience brings the blessing. God puts principles in his word that if you follow them, you will be blessed. Period. End of story. It's how it works. Because when God makes a covenant that's one-sided, it means that it is up to him to fulfill the covenant, not up to us. And so when we do our part, he's obligated to do his part. So that's that's one piece of it. But you know, I, I was listening to a, a, a pastor, I think I saw something on, on Facebook or Instagram, and I want to stress the point because, you know, Leviticus, people roll their eyes about Leviticus or this or that. We're going into numbers. That's where Pastor Nick and I, you know, start to, to duck and, and bob and weave and, and stuff like that because... Numbers is an adventure. It is an adventure, absolutely. And so, um, but but what I want to say is that, you know, there's a difference between uh, works-based salvation and salvation-based works. We are not preaching works-based salvation. We are preaching salvation-based works. And it's a very important distinction because uh, when you put one before the other, then you miss out on Yeshua. And Yeshua is the key that unlocks the door. So always remember that. And so what does Yeshua provide us first and foremost? He provides us forgiveness. Forgiveness for what? Forgiveness for our sins. You'll never be more forgiven than you are right this moment if you've already accepted Yeshua as your Lord and Savior. And once you do accept Yeshua as your Lord and Savior, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yet, now's the time. And once you do, you'll never be more forgiven than you are then because you'll be a completely forgiven once and for all. But once that process starts, then it becomes, how do you get free? How do I gain freedom? Because once you want that freedom, Jesus is going to walk you through a process to get you to freedom. Well, guess what? That process is found in his Torah, his precepts, his ways. His Torah is life. It's freedom. It's light. He is the word. He's the word of God. In the word of God, you will find freedom. Jesus, the word, all of it goes together. And so I think that's a a piece of the puzzle that people are missing is that what they think is bondage, the enemy has wrapped up in a little doctrinal lie that the Torah and the commandments of God are somehow bondage. When in fact, what God says is, is freedom by definition, because that's who he is. It's his character. You know, it's interesting if you go back when Yeshua in Luke references and opens up the scroll, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah, and I'm not going to know the reference offhand, but he talks about the year of the Lord, but he stops right there and then rolls back up the scroll because it talks about the next verse of his vengeance. But uh, the release of the captives, you know, to, to be free of captivity... Uh, he references this. I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, Giovanni and I were talking about this last week as we were meeting every week, and we were talking about the fact that uh, when is the next year of Jubilee? You know, when is it going to be? So if you kind of look at uh, the reference of Yeshua reading from this half Torah or the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue, I do believe in Nazareth. I do believe it's in Luke 4, but we won't get into all that. I just want to give you the basics of this jubilee thought because we we don't know the day or the hour we don't set dates but giovanni and i were talking about if he were to suffer die be buried and rose again around 33 a.d then 2033 we could expect a jubilee boom i mean i'm just saying that gregorian wise 
But like I said, you know, I'm not a date setter. I'm just saying that, you know, it's already what? I don't know. You already let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> we did that earlier. We're not supposed to say that anymore. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just giving you food for thought. We don't know when the Jubilee is. We don't know when it started, but I'm just giving you some food for thought. Right. If, if, if we look at the Gregorian calendar and, and give or take, you know, a few years, the bottom line is that if, if, if 33 AD was when he suffered, died, and was buried and rose again around that time, you know, AD, then of course we can, you can, you know, move in 50 year increments all the way up to 2033. And that all depends on which calendar you're using. This is true, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> are you sure? But I'm just saying, you know, we don't know when the next Jubilee is going to be, but we know that all debts are canceled. And we talked about this in the last podcast. So it's something for all of you to really consider. Oh yeah. So we're going to move on now. Um, and I love this too. Uh, you know, it says right here in Leviticus twenty six twelve. If you could read that, Ryan, read Leviticus twenty six twelve, and I want to read another reference here. Oh yeah, no worries. Earlier. It's uh, it says, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. He always goes before his people, you know. Man, so we're it. having some incredible things happening. So he's walking among the children of Israel. I love that. In Genesis three eight, when Adam and Eve got in trouble and they were embarrassed, and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Listen to this verse in Genesis three eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Wow. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So once again, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, this is interesting. This particular word in, in, in Hebrew, the connotation is in the wind of the day, like the ruach, ah. like the spirit. You know, and we're going to get into that this this next uh, Shabbat tomorrow. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit 101. But and by tomorrow, since this podcast is yeah, coming out on Tuesday, true. you mean that's true. last yeah. weekend? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what's going to happen when they get this podcast. But you once can tell again, we're very professional podcasters. Oh, we are. We're We've... delirious right now. <laughs> but once again, think about it. Is that the coolest thing or what? I I think it's great. Now we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit because you know when when the blessings are on you when it's good it's really good but. Once again, uh, we're going to reference Leviticus chapter 26, verses uh, 16 to 39. Uh, the following things were going to happen to the children of Israel if they broke covenant with him. Now, in hindsight, we can really look at these things that happened to the children of Israel. Let's, let's run these. Uh, let's, let's run each one of these uh, through our beautiful audience listening right now. Uh, number one, he says that uh, you're going to have terror. I mean, that's not good. We even have that today. So terror, uh, heaven is iron and earth is brass. Number two, uh, number three, no fruit on their trees. Uh, number four, wild beasts robbing them of their children. Number five, bring a sword upon them. Number six, pestilence. Now, number seven is pretty graphic, pretty gross. It says, eat the flesh of their sons and daughters. Historically, this took place during the siege of Jerusalem in 586 with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, also during the time of the great historian Josephus when 70 AD, when Titus destroyed the temple and uh, burnt the city down um, and ransacked it, they were eating their, their sons and daughters. Uh, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Number eight is make your cities waste. Number nine, scattered among the heathen. Number 10, uh, let's see. Yeah, number 10 is faintness in their hearts. Ooh. Well, that's not good. No, it's that's not. That's the opposite of strong in your heart. That's pride. 
but faintness in your hearts, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, in Jericho when Rahab was saying the men's hearts have, have, you know, fainted, their hearts have fainted, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then of course, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Number 11 is uh, no power to stand before your enemies. Number 12, perish among the heathen. And isn't this interesting? Number 13, which it means rebellion, they shall pine away. Mm. So there are 13 things that can happen to you if you do not keep the covenant or you break it. Now, we know historically that we can see all of this unfolding. Any thoughts on that, Ryan? Because let me tell you something. When it's bad, it's really bad. Sure. I think part of the issue um, is that those that are in the covenant are the ones that are capable of breaking the covenant. So keep in mind that the people that are not in covenant with God, you may think that they're getting away with something. They're not, right? I mean, God is is saying to those that uh, are in covenant with him, he puts almost like bumper bowling, right? He's not going to let you slide off into the gutter. He's going to provide uh, trials, tribulations, and hardships in this life in order to perfect your character and your perseverance and so on and so forth, in order to to mold you into the, the person that is his representative. Uh, is the ultimate goal. And so that's what we should want. And that's why Paul says, you know, don't think it's strange these things that come upon you. And he Absolutely. also says, there's a vetting process to rejoice in your trials, right? And so, I mean, it sounds funny, but at some point, when you when you flip on the switch and you understand, hey, listen, I'm taking it to the next level, and you start to see those trials and tribulations pop in your life, I can tell you personally for, for me and my wife right now, um, you know, we're, we're working on, on things in our marriage. We're working on things with our family. We're working on things with our business. And when we start to get our mindset right and we start taking the actions that God wants us to take in order to make it to the next level, man, the onslaught of spiritual warfare just comes and just the stones in the path get thrown in there, the nails in the tires, spiritually, things like that. Um, just the, the interactions that you have with people, stuff just starts to get tough and you're just like, man, but you know what? You just got to keep your hands up. What I was talking about, bobbing and weaving, keep pushing forward. Um, because if you're in covenant with God and he's doing these things, it's to help you not to ultimately hurt you. And so being in covenant with God comes with, you know, kind of the, the, the pros and cons. You get those bumper bowling, but you know, it doesn't, it, it hurts when you hit the bumper, you know? Oh, it's interesting, you know, and so uh, just throwing out some things to make you think, you know, uh, we're not setting dates or anything like that. We're Man, just twice to in one idea. podcast setting dates. No, we're not going to set dates, <laughs> but I am going to share this, this, this thought with you. It's interesting. You know, uh, here's a question. How many times will the Lord punish the children of Israel for their disobedience? This is found in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 18, uh, verses 21, 24, and 28. Mm, this he is. Says, I like this, by the way, because I know where you're going with this, and it's seven. The answer is seven. The answer is I'm going to punish you seven, seven times more. Do you think we could like relate this the, to the prophets? The number of completion. So seven is like a. It's a cycle. It's cyclical. Now, now this was thrown to me a while back ago, and, I, and it's food for thought. So if that's the case, I want to take you to Ezekiel four five. He is the correspondent. He is the prophet to those that are in captivity. Uh, those that are that are in captivity. And it says right here in Ezekiel 4, 5, he's having the, the prophet lay on his side and, the, and, and he's having him lay on the left side and the right side. But let's look at Ezekiel 4, 5. I'm going to read it to you. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, 390 days, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. So that's the northern kingdom. So he's going to have him lay on his side for 390 days. And he says, I will punish you seven times more for your sins. 
So this is an interesting calculation to just think about. I'm not going to get into the whole calculation on the other side with Judah, but just, just this particular reference. Um, let's see here. Now listen to this. If you take 390 days times seven, you come up with 2,730. So that's like this captivity, this punishment or whatever. But if you, you subtract 722 BC is when the Northern Kingdom went into captivity. So if you take 2,730 minus 722 BC, you come up with 2,008. So it's almost like our captivity is up. Our exile's over. Yes, we're scattered. We're in the diaspora. But now he's starting to write Torah on minds and hearts. Even in, in Hosea, he says, after two days, I will revive you. In the third day, you'll live in my sight. So a day is told as a thousand years. A thousand years is as one day, everyone. And everyone's always wondering and asking me, why are we getting this now? So this is food for thought. These are just some clues, you know. So it's been two days since Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. And that's found, of course, in Hosea chapter 6 in the beginning of that chapter. So food for thought. All of a sudden now the Gentiles are coming out of the nations with Torah. And we're waiting for the lawless one, this Antichrist. You know, we, we see our government passing bills because they're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Although there's been so some good lawless. stuff going around on state level. I mean, you know, but I'm just saying that it's just something to think about. Uh, and as we begin to look at this uh, next question, it's found in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 40 through 42. Did the children of Israel have to confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers for God to remember the covenant he made with them? The answer is Yes. The sins of our forefathers, we must uh, ask for forgiveness for. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at patterns and iniquity that's been handed down. That's what uh, iniquity is. It's generational sin that's been passed down. you got to see what's traveling through your family line, through your mother, through your father, grandparents, great-grandparents. Do you see any uh, patterns that you need to break? What is it? Is it lying? Is it adultery? Is it alcohol? Is it What, what is it? That you're, that you're having to deal with. And, you know, we had the opportunity to go all the way to Bethel and ask for forgiveness for these three sins of Jeroboam. And uh, what year did you do that? I'm not sure the exact year. 2007. 2007. And you're telling me, Mr. Date Setter, uh, that the captivity ended in 2008? I know. You said it, Ryan, not me. Wow. There's something going on. You know, when I'm at my table with my pastor friends or whatever we're talking about, you know, I asked them, you know, how do you explain all these Gentiles wanting to do the Torah and the Sabbath and the dietary laws and the feast days? How can you explain such a phenomenon that's worldwide? You okay, know? well, you're on a roll. So when is Jesus coming back? Oh, I don't know. Oh, man. I'm not going to go there. I thought I was going to get you with a quick I've question. I've got a reputation to uphold. You know what I'm saying? I thought I was so going to get you. So what am I telling you this for? Because we not. went to Bethel in 2007, and uh, there was a contingency that went. And I gave him a mandate from the Lord that said, go to Bethel and ask for forgiveness for the, for the sins of the forefathers and for us. And those three sins that Jeroboam committed, and you'll see when the kingdom was divided after Solomon, I'm giving you a little history lesson. It's right there in biblical history. Uh, he, of course, broke away from Judah. That's representative of anti-Semitism. We ask forgiveness for that in Bethel, because that's, that's another part of the story about how he changed the capital from Jerusalem to Bethel. We know that Jerusalem is the capital, even of the universe, they say among right. the Jewish sages, but it is the capital of Israel. Uh, we know that that's true, so that's uh, forgiveness number two. We had to ask forgiveness number three, because what did we do? 
uh, Jeroboam changed the feast dates. So now you don't have to go to Jerusalem. You can come to Bethel. And then, of course, he changed the feast dates. What does that represent? Practicing, celebrating pagan holidays. We renounce them. We come out of them. We celebrate the feast days now. And so we are really, really hitting this on all six cylinders right so now. So what do we see as the fruit to, to kind of, you know, you, you look at something like this, we believe that prophecy is being fulfilled. We see that, hey, we did our little math equation, whether you buy it or not, it's still pretty cool. It's something to think about. That, that uh, you know, we, uh, as a congregation, our representatives are sent and they go and they ask for forgiveness in 2007. In 2008, um, you know, according to this this prophecy, that the captivity, quote unquote, is is released. But if we turn to Hosea, uh, in Hosea, there's a, a little piece of this. You know, speaking to the Northern Kingdom, Hosea says, in if I can get to Hosea, my Bible, you know, it's right before Daniel. Oh, yes, it is right before Daniel. You like that? Is that in the Old Testament? I like those thumb tabs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in chapter 2 and verse 11, uh, you know, the Lord speaking through Hosea says, I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And so for those people that get mad that, you know, the church leadership or the Pope or whoever was changing this day or that day or was, you know, causing people to, to celebrate, you know, manufactured or modified, uh, you know, pagan, quote-unquote, holidays— uh, we need to get a proper biblical understanding that God actually took the feasts away. He we says, didn't have them. You are already messing this Since up. 722 BC. And he takes them away. So now, fast forward to 2008, the captivity's up, right? And now you see this Torah awakening, right? This has been going on since the 80s, but it was like a really, really small remnant that was catching on, some pioneers in this movement. But this movement is really starting to catch on. You're seeing uh, masses of people starting to kind of wake up to the fact that there's a, a, a measure of hypocrisy in the whole, hey, you know, we say that pagan things are bad, like yoga or whatever, you know, whatever people's pet things that they pick on are, but then they put up a Christmas tree in their house or they, you know, have Easter egg hunts and, and Easter bunnies and all this stuff. So, you know, th- that thing that they're seeing as a hypocrisy is really just the, what filled the void when God took the feasts away. But guess what? The captivity's up. That's exciting news. We it's have them back now. As you want. We do have them Man. back. I've had the opportunity to be celebrating the feast day since 1995, Ryan. Show off. And it's getting better and better and better. So check this out. I love this. In, in Leviticus 26:42, it says, Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember, and I will remember the land. Boom. And boy, is the land prospering. You know, we're going to have uh, some representatives from High Yovel come visiting us in, in, in June, Luke Hilton and his wife and kids. And they're going to give us a, uh, a lowdown of last year's harvest. Uh, of course, the pruning. And then they're going to be going into planting, I believe, in June sometime. But uh, we're going to get into Leviticus chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. He's going to read that. These are laws about dedications, or, or we could call them estimations. So let's check this out. Uh, in, in regards to dedications. All right, here we go. Tony 7, 1 through 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When a man shall make a singular vow, the persons shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. And thy estimation shall be of the male from twenty years old, even unto sixty years old, even thy estimation shall be fifty shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be a female, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. 
and it be from uh, from five years old even unto twenty years old, then thy estimation shall be uh, shall be of the male twenty shekels, and for the female ten shekels. And and if it be uh, from a month old even unto five years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male five shekels of silver, and for the female thy estimation shall be three shekels of silver. And if it be from sixty years old and above. If it be a male, then thy estimation shall be fifteen shekels, and for the female, ten shekels. But if he be poorer than thy estimation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall value him according to his ability that vowed, uh, that that vowed shall be the priest's value him. You know, so think about this. So making a vow, it comes with a price. And, uh, it, of course, uh, this is the uh, estimations for a male, a female, and, and of course, the different age group. Uh, a male from 20 years old, even unto 60 years old, was 50 shekels of silver. Interesting. From 20 years old up to 60 was 50 shekels of silver. So you make this vow and you give the shekels. Check this out. A female shall be 30 shekels. Now from 5 years old unto 20 years old for a male, it shall be 20 shekels. And for a female, 10 shekels. Check out the age groups. If it be from a month old, even unto five years old, for a male it shall be five shekels of silver, and for a female, three shekels of silver. Once again, these are laws about dedications and all the different age groups. Uh, if it be from 60 years old and above, for a male it shall be 15 shekels, and for the female, 10 shekels. This pretty much covers everybody. And there was also actually provision for a person who could not afford the estimation in Leviticus chapter 27 in verse 8. So once again, these are the vows, these are the dedications, and these are the estimations or the price that you would actually pay. That is and, right. And so once and look, again, think about that. the calls are coming in now. <laughs> they got it on the first ring. That's a good staff. That is a good staff. I tell we got you some what. new phones in here. and uh, Yeah, we don't even know again, how to turn it off. We want to. That we, are, we are, of course, doing this, doing this podcast right before Shabbat, before Ryan leaves to finish up the book of Leviticus. But... You know, you think about uh, God cares about, you know, where you live, where you work. He cares about your home, your property, your material things, you know. And uh, this is interesting. In Leviticus chapter 27, verses 9 through 13, uh, animals could be dedicated to God. Right. Well, they could be consecrated. And and to this point, I want to make up. I've heard these verses here in Leviticus 27 used to say that God only values an infant X amount, right? So like maybe somebody's making an abortion argument. See, he only values uh, uh, the human life of five shekels. And it's just silly because it's like, this is about when somebody makes, uh, when it says a singular vow in the King James, we're talking about an extraordinary vow, something that like, hey, right. Consider this, you know, family representative. Think of it like doc stamps. Like, hey, you know, you and I are going to make a vow together and we need to go to the priest in order to seal this, this deal deal because we need um uh, uh we need a witness and, and that's ex- why you would celebrate with peace offerings well and, and a, once the vow came to pass or correct. It was fulfilled you could celebrate with peace offerings and that that's a whole nother world right and a modern example of this would be a mortgage right you you don't just do a private mortgage without documenting it with the county right you 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 take the documents you get it submitted so that that is on file that there's a lien against that property so that this doesn't just come up and, and, and bite somebody because otherwise it's not that's it's not point. legitimate but that's a good point and so that's the thing so every age group is covered uh and of course a house could be sanctified in leviticus uh chapter 27 verses 14 and 15 a house of course could be sanctified and set apart to god which is which is a good thing to do 
And uh, this is kind of interesting as well. If you if you look at the the vow and the estimation, or of course the shekels, uh, this is on top of it. This is interesting. Uh, one fifth or twenty percent was added to the object that was sanctified, excluding the estimation. That's interesting. Leviticus chapter twenty seven verses thirteen and fifteen. Once again, so like 20%, a twenty percent tax. So, well, one fifth. Yeah. Well, twenty percent was added also to that. Got it. To that object, uh, a field could be sanctified in Leviticus chapter twenty seven verse sixteen. Uh, a field could be sanctified, and then of course uh, uh, the firstling of the beasts uh, are to be sanctified to the Lord. We'd say yes, they are. Right. Uh, Leviticus chapter twenty seven verse twenty six. Once again, the firstling of the beast sanctified to the Lord. Look at he he owns everything. He controls everything. Think about it. Everything is from the Lord. Thank you. Uh, and if you want to go ahead and read Leviticus chapter twenty seven. Uh, verse 28, Ryan, that's a really, really great verse as we're closing out here. Yeah, it says, Notwithstanding, no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, both of man and beast, and of the field of his possession shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. Wow. Everything so then these things devoted. become prized possessions to them, you know? Devoted unto the Lord. Um, holy. Uh, in Leviticus 27, 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, once again, an agricultural society, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Yeah. You know, I've had people actually come and give me like lemons. I've given you cucumbers, eggs, tomatoes. I don't know. Um, produce. I've given you eggs. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, I never uh, gave you a lamb, though, but I never killed any of the lambs. No, so. no, no. And so... Once again, uh, we, we can see some really incredible things here in regards to the land, the agriculture. God's in all of this, you know. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 31, this is interesting. Uh, how much more would a person have to give if they must redeem their tithe? Uh, One-fifth, 20%. You know, uh, I've heard it referenced, and I'd have to study this out even a little more as far as commerce goes or the finances or the economy. But it was my understanding that if you had to make up a tithe, like you didn't tithe right away or you're waiting or something happened, you want to give him your first fruits, but you would actually make that up and then give 20% on top of that. Nice. It's kind of interesting. So you redeem that. the tithe. Yeah, you back pay. You know? Yeah, back pay. Yeah. That's good for the Lord. I've had people that have done that. It's very interesting, you know, and uh, we can see how this is, of course, unfolding before our very eyes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great book, you know, I'm, it is kind of sad. To are see we going to read the last verse? I, re I mean, I really want to read it. And then we got to do our little hazak hazak, you know, I mean, I just, I feel like that's part of the gig here. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, and read Leviticus chapter 27, verse 34, the very last verse. Listen, this is Leviticus. your favorite book. So I want you to read it. And I will too. Now look at <laughs> These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. Hazak, Hazak, Hazak Venish, Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. We or you, that's right, be strengthened. Uh, just a reminder that when they were at Mount Sinai, they were there for nearly a year. And that's what the, the Torah even says, that for a year in a marriage, not to go to war, not to go to work, but to be with your spouse, to be with your mate. Your, your bridegroom, your beautiful bride or whatever, and to have that relationship. So this is interesting, everyone, that the times we're living in, you know, the book of Leviticus. And, and the land is, is of course, belongs to the Lord. Uh, I do believe that's even in here as well. Um, I think it's in, in, in the portion from last, but we talked about that already, that God doesn't want the nations dividing up his land. He's not going to 
approve of that. That's right. Well, man, I'll tell you what, what a what a great book Leviticus has been this year, huh? Don't you think? It's my favorite book. I mean, but what this year? Was it was it good this year? Oh yes. It was like three D. Yeah. Oh it was jumping off the pages at me. It was really <laughs> exciting. Especially these references about the land. Oh yeah. You know, um, there's just great things happening in the land, you know. It's really blossoming. Uh, you know, flowers are growing and just all kinds of incredible things. Even Eliezer was saying that he would go to these Scandinavian countries and see fruits and vegetables from Israel. Wow. I mean, they're exporting now so many incredible things. Huh. And their economy is doing well. They're they're a tech tech country, you know, startups, and and, uh, they don't need Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of which, let's, uh, speaking of the land at least, let's count the Omer. We can Do count you guys the know? Owner. You know, I know not all of you guys We're counting are, it, but it's kind of throw it's going to throw them off, isn't it? Or no? No, I don't think it will. We don't have to actually give the number. Twenty seven. We could today technically is the twenty seventh day. It is twenty. But you can throw in the number, and then you could figure it out because this is a Friday afternoon that we're doing this. Right. So it has the sun hasn't gone down yet. We're four um, days early. Correct. So recording, but, but you're going to receive it. Oh, on Tuesday. listen. Here's the deal. So but you guys kind of reflect on all the things that we've been saying. <laughs> To go back to Friday, say, okay, I'm listening to this on Tuesday, but they're sharing this on a Friday. Correct. Because we did let the cat out of the bag. So uh, for those of you that are not part of the congregation here locally and don't have the benefit of coming here, um, and and maybe you don't watch our services online, you may not have seen uh, Miss Libby Davis's uh, Omer teachings. And so just so you guys get an idea, an Omer is a portion. It is a measurement of barley or wheat, uh, and an, an omer is a tenth of an ephah. An ephah is about the size of a bushel, and if you think of a an omer is about like a one or two quart bag filled with grain, and so that's that's what an omer. Is. So when we're talking about counting the omer fifty days, we're counting an omer times fifty up until Shavuot, when we bring in the wheat harvest. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the blessing over the omer. We'll count it for. Uh, what today's day is, uh, but by the time Tuesday comes around, hopefully you guys are coming up with some creative ways to count the Omer uh, yourself, and if you have children, also with your kids and all that. And so, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kidshenu B'mitzvatav Vitzivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and gives us the command to count the Omer. Today is 27 days, which is three weeks and six days of the counting of the Omer. And boom, that's it. I just feel so good when I do that. And that's found in Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16. You're counting up to 50. That's right. That's right. Great job, Ryan. Yeah, up to Have a nice vacation. I will. I will have a nice vacation. You guys pray for me. Uh, because we're going to have all of the children and uh, me and the wife and her mom, all of us together in the camper uh, on this vacation. So, Are you a happy camper? Uh, I'm just. Let's just say I may need a vacation from the vacation, um, but I'm going to try to relax. I'm going to try to enjoy myself and just spend time with the fam, you know? All that good great. stuff. I think it'll be great. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, you guys know it's ryan at twopraise.net. Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. You can email me there. Uh, anything that you want, questions, uh, requests, anything uh, that you want on there. Don't forget to go onto iTunes uh, or onto SoundCloud or whatever podcast um, you know uh, subscribe subscription you have, 
and uh, review and rate the podcast, please. It helps us out, especially if you do it on iTunes. So even if you don't listen to it on iTunes, go to iTunes, figure out how to leave a review. We would really appreciate it. Uh, if you need anything from the office here uh, and you want to talk to uh, anyone of the, the admin staff here, the number is 813-654-2222. And as always, don't forget to live stream our service this Saturday, um, well, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time at topraise.net or any of our social media platforms. And we are having a guest this Thursday. And they were, oh, and that's right. James Block is coming. From Israel, from Jerusalem. That's right. The James, plays the piano and sings. James Block is coming uh, from Israel and is going to be singing uh, and playing music for us on the 23rd. And we will live stream that. So that's Thursday evening, the 23rd, uh, that you guys can live stream that as well. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.